Hello, my friend. This is Clyde. This is Tough Talk. Today, I want us to make an effort to understand God a little more. The God who reveals himself in an unequivocal manner through this book we call the Bible. He has designed this book to be taught in our homes, the most basic place of human experiences, that it be taught in our churches, the most elementary and vital place of assembly for God's children. He has instructed us to study his word, for in studying it, we are able to overcome the iniquitous attacks of the enemy against us. And by studying the word of God, we are made into better children of God as we carry out his will that we learn of from the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 6, we read something about ourselves and the wisdom that God demands that we apply in our day-to-day -day life. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the body and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. There are two things that I would like us to consider in a two-part conversation, sex and worship. There are two things at the beginning that speaks of sex. Bear in mind that we are simply going to use the Bible to discuss these issues. In Genesis 1, we read that God created humans, and when he did, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Notice that it was a command, not a multiple choice. But in that command, we do not see God telling them how to do it. Why? He reserved that important feature for a later discussion in the Bible. In Genesis 2, we see the creation of humans, the man and the woman, in a more vivid manner. God created the man first and acknowledged that he should not be lonely, that he needed someone to do life with. So God, in his wisdom and according to his eternal plan, made a woman. Now, remember the command we found in chapter 1? Now we see in this second chapter that God brings them together and endows man with the wisdom to recognize that the woman is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Brilliant acknowledgement by Adam, the first man. And then it happened. God solemnized their relationship by instituting a special and a unique act that we later call marriage. But listen to God in his brilliance. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Do you see the brilliance of God, the will of God deeply embedded in that statement? First of all, this thing happened is, and it is meant for humans when they have come of age, that the man leaves his parents and be joined with this woman. And in the joining, not before, but after the joining, they become one flesh. There, my friend, is your answer to the command in chapter one. The man and the woman are to engage in sex after the marriage ceremony and through that physical and important activity, they will carry out the command, be fruitful and multiply. 
God was not ambiguous in the design of family life, in the execution of the first marriage, in the instruction of the propagation of the human race. In fact, Jesus, in a later statement, underscored the importance of marriage, of sex, of building a family, when he said in Matthew 19, verse 6, So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. It is as plain as night and day. There is no wiggly room in God's intention for us to deviate from the original plan. But the most devastating and violent experience that could ever visit humans occurred in Genesis 3, when Satan entered the pure and sacred space called the Garden of Eden and deceived the woman and the man, defiled the order of creation, and desecrated God's orders to mankind. No, I'm not being sensational. Everything was stained with the diabolic action of Satan that God had to execute the penalty of death on the humans and by extension, death over the creation. So what do we see thereafter? Humans started on a path of violating and redesigning what God instituted to suit our own pleasure. Sexual immorality has consumed the human race and we have taken God's version of sex and made a human combination of perversions of it. Bear in mind that when he introduced sex to the original couple, the language God used was very clear. We hear the deep cry of God's heart in 1 Corinthians 6, 16 and 17. In this powerful statement, God confirms his plan for sex and for human worship. Two main important experiences, and for a special reason. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. My friend, we do not have the right to practice sex in any other way that God, than what God intended it to be. But we have, and we have desecrated this holy thing that God created and established as a unique experience for the man and the woman who are married together. We humans have perverted sex to the place where we are trying to clean it up when we talk about blessing a version of sexual union that God did not create or ordain. We have used our ingenuity to spoil what God has blessed. And mind you, it is everything. Every form of sexual activity outside of that which is meant for marriage between a man and a woman. God still holds true to his order. Flee from sexual immorality. Run away from it. Don't bless it. Don't sanctify it. Do not endorse it. Do not participate in it to be continued.